if you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. We have a mission to improve the welfare of horses throughout the world through the safe education of riders, handlers and trainers and that's what these chats are all about. Registered Training Organisation 31352. We've got Deborah Jones on today. Now, Deborah's been a coach. She's had a background in teaching show jumping, dressage, and eventing. But we're going to talk to her today about track work riding and what she does because she teaches track work riding and the difference between track work riding and some of the more classical ways of riding. How are you today, Deb? Great, thanks. How are you? Yeah, good, good. Deb, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on teaching track work riders today because, you know, sometimes people think that it's totally different and sometimes people think oh I could do that but it really is a little different isn't it yes it is absolutely it mm. is quite different from um, from say event riding yep yep all right now before we start we normally start off with a favorite quote what's your favorite quote for us oh goodness I've thrown you in the deep end there have I <laughs> <laughs> I should have warned you. Yeah. It's probably one that's it's a little bit cheesy, I think, but yep. it's um it's from the movie uh Seabiscuit. Yes. And um doesn't really have anything to do with um track riding, but um it was in the movie uh, I don't know whether it's a real quote from life from the actual story of Seabiscuit or whether it was just one made up from the movie, but it's it, you don't throw a whole life away just because it's broke up a little. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's really my little my little quote, and it really relates to um, horses that have, have had a career in racing yep. and then are coming back into doing, you know, something else, their second their second bite at life. Yeah. So really yeah. that's sort of where, where it yeah. comes from, yeah. Yes, and because you've had a bit of a background in both, you know, you can sort of come in and say, right, well, they can have that second bite, but um, maybe they need to be trained just a little different to a horse who hasn't had that experience and this is how you do it. Exactly, yes. Mm. And because they're trained a certain way to, to run fast and pretty much not a lot else, yep. they're really not suited for their life after racing. So you do have to take that into account. You do have to take into account that they've, perhaps been handled badly or trained badly. Yes. It's not their fault that they're the way they are. Uh, I always believe it comes back to the handler or the trainer, the mm-hmm. person who broke them in in the first place. Um, but they are a little bit broken and they do need to be handled with care and, and retrained and retaught how to um, to do things that uh, equestrian riders expect of them. Yeah, yeah. Now, how did you come into this whole teaching track riding? Had you had a background in racing before you started teaching track work riding? Were you already a track work rider? What's your background there? Uh, Look, I did do, I worked in the racing industry a very, very long time ago when I was um, a teenager in my late teens, early 20s, and I worked in a stable as a stable hand and, and did some track riding. But then in 2003, I did the racing course. I did a racing course, um, Cert 3, Cert 4 in racing, 
and uh, Cert 3 in Racing Track Rider. And um, that sort of really started me, my interest in track riding itself as an occupation and and as a teacher. I was already a teacher, uh, but I um, that sort of piqued my interest in it a little bit more. And then I, I got a job teaching um, at a TAFE and... That's part of my job, teaching mm-hmm. people to become stable hands and track riders. So people working in the racing industry, if they wanted to get started, someone who wants to get started, you know, they might have a – because the way I look at it is there's always jobs available in the racing industry. Yeah. You know, there's often – jobs available and it is a high turnover for some people but some people have been in it all their life so just thinking of the numbers if people are starting to look for a job with horses that's what they wanted to do I know when I first came back from overseas and I was qualified I used to run a bit of track work in the morning because the hours suited so I could ride track work and then still go and teach during the day you know, those hours just suited. So I had a, a steady stream of income when I was first starting, even if it rained or whatever, I still had that income. And then as the lessons progressed, I took less and less track works rides. And then I ended up just teaching all the time. But it was good, almost like a bit of a, I don't know, fill-in job for me, you know, when I was doing that. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people work in stables and, and um, you know, have that other horse job, they've still got time to do their horses and everything in between. So how can people get into yeah. that? Well, I think, yeah, that's a good question because there are a lot of people who are already stable hands and also uh, have a background of riding as, mm. say, event riders or they've been through Pony Club. So they there's two ways, really. They can either have a job with a trainer who's really encouraging and, and has the time to um, say to them, well, look, you can hop on a quiet horse and you can have a ride and slowly work your way up and and we'll see how you go. But that's probably the least, the way I would least like it to happen only because there's not that many trainers that do have the time to do it properly. They're Mm -hmm. very, very busy with their own work that they have to do. So they can go and do a course and not even a whole course. They can can do units out of a course, which are the specific riding units, Mm -hmm. so they can gain the skills that they need, the techniques to, um, to ride horses that are in work and are fit, and um, they can learn to ride to time because that's a very different speed. Yes, yes. But even before that, just to get started working in stables, you know, I'm just thinking as a job to, as a strapper without even the riding. Yeah, yeah. So I think some states have, some places say you must be qualified before you start. Some say so long as you're qualified within a certain amount of time, you're registered and you can go in as a trainee. Is that right? Yeah, you can you can walk up to a stable with your resume and hand it in, yep. and you may get a job mm-hmm. straight away if you've had a little bit of of um, a background working with horses. In Victoria, there are mandatory units, so you need to within the first twelve months of becoming a registered stable hand, you need to to complete the two units which are handle horses at this present time. Still handle horses and. Um, an OHS unit. So they're the mandatory units, which once you've completed those, you become a licensed um, stable hand or you've got 12 months to complete those. 
you're a licensed stable hand and um, and you can become um, or you can stay working in the industry and become a strapper and you can also track ride because in Victoria there's no mandatory units for track riding as such. Is there um, the best way to just get started? Is the best way to contact racehorse trainers? Is there an agency? How would they do that? Just to contact the trainers direct? Pretty much contact the trainers okay. direct, yes. Yep. Yeah, yep. Just go to the stables. As long as they've got some some good basic knowledge and horse handling skills. Yep. But yep. I teach, I have taught people and do teach people who want to get into the racing industry, but they have never handled a horse before. Mm, that makes it so, tricky. Yeah, yeah well, it, it does, but if they apply themselves, where I teach is we have a lot of X race horses so, yep. and all facilities that are very similar to a racing stable. So we, I've had a student who started off with very, very little experience. Uh, or pretty much no experience, was very nervous around the horses. But his dream was to to work in a racing stable and preferably to work at somewhere like Godolphin, mm-hmm. um, which by the end of the year we had got him a job at Godolphin and he is now working as a strapper there. So within a 10-month period, mm-hmm. he learned everything he needed to learn and he was then able to um, to get a job at Godolphin, which was yeah, and he's there now, strapping the horses mm-hmm. and taking them to the races. <laughs> so that's it's a fantastic way for somebody who doesn't have the knowledge or the expertise to get into it is to do a course. Good. Mm-hmm. Now, you said one of the skills that he had was that he applied himself. What else would you say that people need to have that, to be able to work in that industry? Well, you definitely need to love horses. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the first prerequisite, really. I think is because, as we all know, it's not a, it's not a fantastically paid job. It's hours that are very, very um, difficult to keep and to to have any sort of a social life. If you're a stable hand, you're working very early in the morning, and as you would know, and then you've got a bit of a break during the day, and then you're back in the afternoon. So it's very difficult to have another job as well as a stable hand job. So you just absolutely have to love working with, with the horses mm-hmm. and, um, and, and have the will to, to succeed in an area that can be difficult to, of environment to work in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think you really need initiative and, um, and confidence as well. Okay. What do you think then, you know, for someone who's worked in the industry, what's the best thing about working in that racing industry? I think it's, well, it's the pride of being around such beautiful animals that um, you take to the races and you see them do do well in a race. It, it's just it's getting to know the horses and, and just being around horses all the time. I mean, I've worked with horses now for... 40 years and mm-hmm. I guess in, in various ways and, and in various disciplines and um, it really always comes down to the fact that you just love being with horses and, and I know when I was younger and I worked at a place in Queensland called Andalusia Park where Andalusians were put on a show for the tour, for tourists mm-hmm. and um, I think I earned about $80 a week for a six-day week, and and the boss said to me, you know, you really you should just be grateful that you're actually here, you know, and you can do something with horses and mm. something you love. And you know, that was a really old-fashioned way of looking at it back 
but that was a typical sort of attitude that, that people had was that, you know, you, you you love your horses, so here you go. You can work with them every day and um, and get a little bit of pay at the same time. Fortunately, that attitude is, has changed. But, um, yeah, I think it's it's just a, a something working with such magnificent animals. The thoroughbreds really are incredible, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. incredible animals, incredible yeah. athletes. Yeah. Yeah, and then taking those athletes on to become performance horses. Have you got any good sort of case studies or something where you've had horses that you've worked with as a racehorse and they've gone on to do um, to become a good performance horse, or you've known someone that's got a good performance horse that's been a racehorse in the past? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's so many cases of of them being able to um, go from that environment and that. And then they go into the performance horse environment. I have a couple of of thoroughbreds. One of which um, was reasonably successful as a racehorse, mm-hmm. and uh, he he hasn't done any. We haven't done anything, you know, um, amazing with him. But he has adapted to the life of being just a pleasure riding horse, and and he's been wonderful for that. Where I work, we have twenty seven ex racehorses. And they've gone on to teach people, and so they've not only been racehorses that have been on a high performance diet, that have been, you know, athletes that are at the top of their game and full of energy, and then gradually with training, they were able to actually have beginners on them and mm. be able to teach them to ride and teach them to do track work and and teach them how to handle. Horses, and they're an integral part of of anybody's any trainer or any coach is um, the horses they work with. So yep. I think there's an enormous amount of things that um, thoroughbreds can go on to do, uh, and it's just a matter of how good the retraining is of them after they finish their um, their life as, as a racehorse. Okay, okay. Now, for someone who has a racehorse, you know, might have raced today didn't go as fast as what the owners had hoped and they sort of said, well, mm. this is the last time we're putting a lot of time because it is expensive to train a racehorse. Mm. It is. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, good type of horse, sound, and someone gets it and calls you up very excited, says, Deb, Debbie, you know, I've, I've got a horse. He raced today. I'd like to have him now as a jumper or an, an eventer. What sort of general advice would you give them over the next few months particularly? Well, I think to depends on what their own experience is mm-hmm. with horses. If they're not terribly experienced, then obviously they need the help yep. of somebody who is that can help with the retraining. But if they have some knowledge and and uh, skill riding skills I think the most important thing to do to begin with is to get to know the horse allow the horse some time to actually be away from the racetrack and be in a paddock and 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 uh, get all of the things out of their system that they've been fed over that period of time and just be a horse for a little while and then start to handle them and do groundwork with them so that they can be sure that they know what the responses are going to be like from the horse mm-hmm. uh, what cues they understand, whether they have got a stop button, because that's really important when you're going to get on a horse for the first time that you, you, you want to know that it stops. So just a lot of groundwork with it before actually getting on the horse so that they, can, they have a good idea of um, what they're in for once they actually do 
get onto the horse. And if they find they don't have that understanding of the cues of the stop and go, then they need to make sure that they train those before they get on the horse. Okay, so the stop, go. And then if they've got those cues, they've got, you know, stop, go, even maybe even a bit of reverse or um, sideways. But then when they first get on the horse, that first bit of jumping, the first, what do they need to have the horse doing before they even start with any pole work or anything like that? What would be the next stage? For me, I like to be able to hop on a horse and just have it go nicely in the paces Mm -hmm. to establish a rhythm, um, a natural sort of a rhythm and and make sure the horse can go straight and just be able to trot and can walk trot and canter on either rein okay. in a nice relaxed sort of outline without putting too much strain on the horse to begin with. But ideally you want something that has a bit of self carriage and will be able to just a nice trot and a canter and will be able to just sort of work nicely for you in an arena without rushing and without getting tense, you know, and, and that's difficult to begin with. And, and horses can change, obviously, with their training and time. Um, but I would say taking it very slowly, doing the groundwork, hopping on, doing the flat work, and just um, getting to know the horse really well mm-hmm. before you start to introduce the poles and that sort of thing. And, I mean, it may have had a really good – it may have had a great education when it was broken and it may have been ridden by – very good riders. I mean, you, you see some horses. I've hopped on many horse, race horses that have come straight out of work, and they've been lovely to ride. Uh, they've had a good education, and their mouths have, uh, are good, and you know they've they're sort of quite settled in their head, uh, and they can go straight on, you know, a little bit faster into doing the work. But it really just depends on the background that the horse has had and the horse's history is very important. Okay. Okay. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. And I think that's the groundwork that you said, you know, making sure they can sort of stop and go on command. I think that's that's probably a really good one as well. You know, for those extra race horses. For someone then who's done a bit of jumping, done a bit of eventing. And then they go on and say, and they come to you and they say, Deb, I want to be a track work rider. What sort of things mm-hmm. do they need to learn to become a track work rider? Well, it's really quite, it's a very different position. Mm-hmm. It's um, It can start off, somebody that comes to us who's been through Pony Club or who has had an eventing background, are ideal to start with. And it's also great too to have somebody who doesn't have any background at all but just happens to ride well mm-hmm. so either way it works really well but they it is a very different position the speeds are so much more uh, so much faster than they are when you're um, riding cross-country so they need to really change the way they sit they need to have their stirrups so much shorter they need to become very fit um, and they need to learn specific techniques to pull up a horse that's going very fast or a horse that you actually don't really want to go that fast, but he's received a signal. It's made him think that that's what you want him to do. So he has picked up a bit of speed. So there's, it's really, um, it's something that you do have to adapt a few areas of your own riding to it. And you need to love going fast. If you're nervous at all, it's not, it's not something that you really want to, um, to do. 
Okay, and then you talked about writing to time before as well. Do you want to tell us a little bit about writing to time? Yeah, sure. In working um, working racehorses or conditioning racehorses, they have um, what's called half pace, three quarter time evens, and a working gallop or working home. Um, and they're all timed over two hundred meters. So if you were asked to ride a horse at half pace, you'd be sort of looking at around about 20, 21, 22 seconds per 200 metres. Then for three-quarter pace, you're looking at around about, say, 18, 19 seconds for 200 metres. Evens is 15 seconds. It varies a little bit between trainers, but 14, 15 seconds. And then working home is just you, you, you sort of are, you're asked to, push the horse out as fast as it can go, basically. So we teach the students to count the seconds in their head to begin with so that they can get an idea of, of how how many seconds it's taking them to do the 200 metres. Um, once they get good at actually counting, because it's a tricky thing, you, 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 sort of, you can sit quietly in a room with a, a stopwatch mm-hmm. and time but um, once you introduce other yes. factors into it, like the wind blowing, a horse galloping, other horses jostling around you, it does make it a little bit harder. So, yeah, we, we spend quite a bit of time doing that, teaching them how to um, to count to time. And, then, of course, track riders have beepers, so they can eventually use beepers, but we would like them to, to get a feel. And every horse is different. It's amazing how one horse doing um, 15 seconds to the furlong or to the 200 metres can feel very, very different from another one and you think you're going a lot faster than you actually are. So so there's a lot of, of um, that sort of practice Yep. and uh, we teach that on a track uh, as well as putting them on different different horses that have different quirks and, and different habits and some of them are a bit stronger, some of them um, take a bit to get going, some of them don't like to be working alongside another horse. So there's quite a lot of things that you can learn to um, to do as well as the actual position and technique of riding. And I don't know, well, I, it, when you ride short, it's really taxing on your legs. Uh, so that's a fitness thing too that people need to actually allow time for their fitness to progress to the point where they can they can do that on you know seven or eight, nine, ten horses a morning. Yes, yep. when they ride yep, the for sure, for sure. What do you think then, if you think of you know the students that you might have in a year, what do you think is the most common problem? You did talk about confidence, but apart from confidence, if they come in and they're confident, what do you think is the most common thing that you say this is what needs to be improved? Is it the fitness or is it something else? It's generally position, mm-hmm. I think, um, because everyone does tend unless they've unless they haven't had. Um, an eventing or pony club background, they tend to ride in a much more upright position. Okay. So, because that's a natural position for cross country. You know, you're forward, you're out of the saddle, but you're still upright, mm-hmm. fairly upright. And you think about a track rider or a jockey, once you start moving along quite quickly, you'll, the, body, the upper body is almost parallel, is parallel to the horse's back. So it's probably the position that's, that people find the hardest. Okay. And also the reins, holding the reins in a bridge 
is so easy when you're cantering around nicely on a well-educated horse. <laughs> but when you've yes. got a horse that you know that, or we might say to them, if you change your bridge and you lose contact, this horse is going to go faster because that's what he was taught to do. Mm. And as much as we retrain them to not do that, they're going to fall back into that pattern if, if, if people's riders continue to do it. So that's another thing, I think, too, just holding the reins, being able to change their bridge or shorten the reins without losing the contact. Yep. Um, otherwise, as quick as a wink, the horses are accelerating. Sure. So, yeah, I think there's, there's those sort of things probably, I would say. Once, if someone has confidence, then all those things are trainable, really. Mm-hmm. And look, I've, I have had students who have jumped off horses uh, in a blind terror, but they've gone on to <laughs> um, become a jockey okay. or become successful track riders. So, yeah, okay. that can be, okay. you can work on the confidence. Good, good. Or I'd like to talk to you a bit more about that too, you know, sort of steps to go on and, and become a jockey. But I think, you know, what you've said today is a lot for people to digest. You know, if they're thinking about going and having that complimentary job, as I said, you know, I did it for a while. It was good. You know, it was a good steady income and I enjoyed the work. And I think just even working as a strapper in a racing stable, what what if you're teaching a strapper, just a strapper to take a horse to lead it out somewhere to take it to the races, what sort of handling tips would you give them? You know, knowing that they might have had a bit of experience with their own quiet horses, but not with race horses mm. that are full of feed and and uh, at the races and quite quite high strung and quite excitable. Well, yeah, we um, obviously there's different gear that they would be using if they're mm. um, if they're leading a horse at the races. They've got a bridle on generally when they're taking the horse into the mounting yard. For example, they've got a bridle on the horse and a, a double clip lead or else they're leading the horse around with a head collar and a rearing bit. So they've always got a bit in the horse's mouth. So they've got that, you know, bit more control than, than just a head collar. Um, we like to try to say to, to teach the students that if it's possible, and it's probably not at the races, but if it's possible to just keep addressing the fact that the horse does need to listen to the to the stop when you're trying to slow it down. Mm-hmm. Um, it's no use walking around just constantly jabbing them in the mouth. It's no use constantly hanging on to them. A racetrack during race day is not the time to do a little bit of training, but we do try to teach our students that that's something that maybe they can work on when they have time, when they're leading a horse around at the training stables. Yes. They can perhaps work on improving those things so that then it does translate to the horse being better at the races and therefore better when it finishes racing. So I think that's the main thing that we really try and instill in them, the understanding of how horses learn and how horses respond to those cues so that they will be better. Mm -hmm. At the track, it's very hard because they're so excited and there's so much happening and, you know, there's the adrenaline after a race that's pouring through them. So... You know, it's, it's it's not probably the best place to do it. But I think um, them having that knowledge when they um, they go into work with horse racehorses, I think it's just really important that they do have that understanding of, of how horses do learn yep. and that will yep. help them in the long run. But um, 
one thing I would like to say too about track riding, as we know, it's a dangerous area and there's, there's always been a lot of accidents. So the thing I really impress upon people is that if you have had a riding background and you do choose to go to a, to a racing stable and, and offer your services, make sure that you get you know who you're dealing with and that you know that this person who is going to give you a go is going to put you on a quiet horse. It's not the trainers don't deliberately throw people on horses that are crazy and say, there you go, you know, take this horse around the track. They don't want them hurt. They don't want them injured, but these things can happen. So it's better to get some training if you possibly can, some lessons and ride thoroughbreds because, as we know, they're so different to riding um, a lot of other horses, mm. especially when they're in work and they're on, on uh, high-energy feeds. So going in with that little bit of caution and thinking that you know, I'll really do my research, I'll really find out about the person that I'm going to, I'll find out what the horses are like, I'll observe them at race day if I possibly can, um, I'll ask other people about them. And if I'm really not that sure that that's the right pathway for me to take, I'll go to somewhere and, and get some training, initial training, before I go and do some riding. I think that's what's the real key thing. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's really good advice too, Deb. And I think too, you know, there were a couple of really good like gold nuggets that you've said. You know, I think the training is absolutely critical. You've either got to go to someone who's going to give you the training or get some training because it is different to, to riding cross-country even. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Yes, that's right. And the cross-country times are obviously much slower too. So yes, you yes. don't have to push the horses to those speeds. You don't then have to deal with the fact that um, the horse may be getting strong and difficult to pull back mm-hmm. and you're not working mm-hmm. alongside another horse. And the competitiveness of a horse in that situation really comes to the fore because when they're they're cantering or galloping across a paddock by themselves, they're a lot easier to manage than they are when they've got somebody working alongside. And a lot easier to put on a circle if you need to. You know, if your horse is really going and you've got a problem, Mm. then you can circle, whereas you can't in the middle of a track. You know, if you've got horses coming and going everywhere, you can't just say, I'll just pop in a little circle here. No, no, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Definitely not. Okay. Yeah, and I think good advice about, you know, the bridged reins too, you know, that um, you might start off and think, right, my horse is going well and then you want to increase the speed or something and all your hands just need adjusting, that that picking up and changing the rein and having the bridge mm. with contact I think is good. But one thing I did like particularly, Deb, was the fact that, you know, you were saying that even in the stables, get your horse listening, you know, get it stopping, get mm. it going. The work on the ground with mm. racehorses doesn't need to be any different to what it is with any other horse. You know, the horse should no. be listening. It shouldn't just get worse and worse and worse and out of control. If it's got that really good basic training, it'll be a good horse mm. to handle on the track and a good mm. horse to handle after it's finished its racing career. Yes, absolutely. And the same can be said for the track riders. I have heard of of uh, people say what a fantastic track rider this person is because mm-hmm. he or she has had some dressage or okay. you know equestrian yep. yep. background. Yep. They actually are getting the horse to lower its head while yes. it's working or yes. they're correcting the straightness of the horse and it makes such a difference to the horse when it races. Mm. So, mm. you know, they're, they're praised because of their um, their techniques that come to them from, 
you know, their dressage training. So mm. it's mm. that's also something that we really try to impress as, as well is that you don't just have to get out there and ride them fast and pull them up. You can actually be helping that horse to work better and therefore be a better racehorse for the trainer and the owners. Yes. It's straighter. Yes. It can yes. stride out better. Um, you know, it's listening to you. It accelerates when it's asked to accelerate. Yep. The whole thing can be uh, greatly improved by a good rider. Yep, yep, for sure. And and then if the training's improved, then the horse understands what's going on, so that's better for the horse as well, which ultimately is what we're all exactly. looking for, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly, yep, mm. absolutely. All right, Deb, love talking to you today. Um, I don't think we've had anyone on sort of talking in this much depth, certainly about, you know, racehorses, training track work riders, riding track work and horses after they've raced. So a lot of good knowledge there, a lot of good tips there for people, you know, who are working in that situation and, and who have thought about possibly doing that. So if people do want to contact you, Deb, what's the best way? What's your best? Uh they can contact me um, via my mobile number yes. or email. Okay. Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll put those details up. It'll be at horsechats.com slash Deborah Jones or go to horsechats.com, search for Deborah, D-E-B-O-R-A-H, or search for Jones and you'll find those contact details. If you'd like to talk to Deb, talk about um, the training that she does and – any other tips? She's based in Melbourne, so I'm sure you can um, have a chat to her then. Okay, thanks Great. very much, Deb, and um, we'll talk to you again no sometime Thank soon. You. Thank you. Great. Thanks. Bye-bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate, and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government-accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 